0: Hello there, and welcome to Not The Farmer's Wife podcast. I'm CJ Steedman, and I'm definitely not the farmer's wife. I am a mum, a partner, a full-time off-farm worker, and enthusiastically a lady farmer. On our farm, Mojo Homestead, we grow chickens, goats, cows, and bees. We practise regenerative agriculture and holistic management. If, like me, you love all things farming and homesteading, and if you'd like to learn from the female farmer's perspective, then I'd love to have you along for the ride. So let's get farming. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Not the Farmer's Wife. I'm CJ, your host, and I can't believe it's episode 47 for my regular listeners. I nearly made it to 52 episodes, and I've only missed one week. And I think I can get away with missing that one because I was in hospital So, you know, I'm doing okay on this uh, recording a podcast every week. Now, sometimes I do record them every week. Sometimes I try and record them in advance. Unfortunately, at the moment, I am definitely not in advance. Anyway, which is probably a good thing because I was going to record an episode about managing your um, equipment and machinery and sheds and fencing and things like that for planning out for the year what you needed to do. But when I sat down and looked at it, there wasn't really a lot of content there so i decided to do something that i think is probably a bit more useful and it's certainly dear to my heart because i am the original frugal queen uh, and that is homesteading budgeting for the year so mapping out what kind of budgeting things we need to look at uh, for the year in advance and hopefully you'll get something out of this i feel pretty strongly about budgeting i have Followed the Barefoot Investor here in Australia, which is kind of like Dave Ramsey in the US. Uh, But I also am just a tight ass. (laughs) At the end of the day, I don't spend things on stuff I don't need. And I tend to um, hold off spending money. I will, if I see something that I want, I will look at it. I will assess whether or not I need it. And then I'll go home and wait a week or two and decide whether I really, really need it. That being said, there are some things that I just know that I need and having this planning session kind of at the beginning of the year where you sit down and go, okay, this is what I need for the rest of the year. These are the things that I know are going to come up as expenses means that you can pre-plan for them and pre-save for them. Um, Putting aside a little bit of money each week or each fortnight or each month, depending on your pay cycle. Um, so that when the time comes to have to buy those items, you know, you've got the money there. Now, certainly, you know, with homesteading, it's a funny kind of thing because most of us get into homesteading with the hope that we will do it as a full time gig. So it, my intention here at Major Homestead is to eventually leave my paid work job as a law enforcement officer um, and go full time just managing the farm. Um, I'm a bit broken and a bit bent <laughs> from my job. And uh, realistically, I know what I can and can't do on the farm. And I can do just about all the chores. Handy Helper helps me out, you know, because he, he loves helping out. Uh, but I could essentially do the farm on my own with a tiny bit of help from the Handy Helper. And that means that he can stay employed. He's, he's been running a business for me for the last couple of years. And uh, now he is in full-time employment, but it is shift work. So he has lots of days off and lots of days where he works 12 hour shifts. (laughs) Um, But for most people, homesteading is a thing where you want to get to a point where if you're not covering all of your costs, so being self-sustainable in that sense, um, or self-sufficient, depending on which way you look at it, I'd rather say self-sustainable because I want it to be an ongoing thing. Um, If, if you're not looking at it like that, then you're probably looking at it in how can you earn money off it? How can you earn an income? And and even if it's a part-time income... Most of us want to get to a full-time income, but even a part-time income can make a huge difference, especially if you're still paying off a mortgage or something like that. Being able to get to a part-time income where you're still working full-time, imagine how much more money you could drop into the mortgage or, you know, extend things like machinery or equipment or fencing or buildings that you need on your property. So most of us are trying to go full-time. I don't think many people have a um, income that allows them to just spend, you know, an endless amount of money. Uh, if you're one of those people, congratulations, good for you. <laughs> I wish, I wish you the best of luck. But you still probably could do with planning a budget, uh, because at the end of the day, the money will run dry if you go too crazy with it. Now, years ago, I had a real issue asking people for money for any services or goods that I gave um, outside of, you know, normal kind of a normal business, like from the homestead. So if I was trying to offload fruit and veg or nuts or eggs or anything like that, I used to have a real issue with um, asking people for money. I have since um, been part of uh, a woman's uh, boot camp. Her name is Denise Duffield Thomas. Uh, you should look her up if you don't, if you haven't heard of her. And she uh, does a money mindset boot camp, and that talks through the process of this horrible love-hate relationship that some of us have with money. And not everybody has it, but most most of us have got some hang-ups about money, and they're probably hang-ups that we've brought through from our childhood. Um, You know comments from parents like money doesn't grow on trees and things like that Give you a a mindset that perhaps makes you assume that you're not worth something Or you're not worth being paid or your items that you're trying to sell are not worth what you're asking And since doing her boot camp i've come to realize that you know Farmers do some fucking phenomenal work They uh, produce quality food in an ethical environment in an ethical way and why should they not be paid correctly for what they're doing if we're willing to spend you know thousands of dollars on a handbag or hundreds of dollars on shoes or you know god knows i if i sat down and worked out back in the bad days when we used to eat takeout quite a bit i can't imagine how much we spent on the mcdonald's drive-through for the kids um you know the amount of money that we spend there and yet we're not prepared to spend a certain amount with a farmer who is working long hours and not being able to leave the farm investing their entire life into what they do it's a lifestyle choice it's not a um it's not just a job you can't clock off at five o'clock and go oh I don't have to worry about anything anymore so why should farmers not get paid well for what they do and if they're producing quality food why would you not pay for that if we'll pay what we pay for, a you know, takeout dinner or a restaurant meal, why would we not pay a farmer for that, you know, super high quality, super nutritious, organic, you know, pasteurized food uh, that we know is also now, because we're getting smarter about this whole climate thing, we know that um, regenerative agriculture is so good for the environment, it's actually reversing your plane trip. <laughs> you know, a, a good farmer... Um, is is in the negatives they're they're carbon neutral they're more than carbon neutral they're they're carbon uh, negative or positive I don't know which way you'd say it but you know for every trip that somebody takes in a plane these farmers are actually reversing that so why not pay them for what they're doing and why not give them the love for what they're doing and so I am a little bit more Uh, relaxed about saying well this is how much my eggs are and my eggs i only sell my eggs for $7.50 a carton so it's not expensive Uh, for the guys in the u.s that's probably about five dollars a carton u.s Um, and you know for that i have no problem asking that for pasture raised eggs and i know my chooks are healthy and happy and out in the paddock but we need to plan for the year ahead. And so I'm gonna go through a few things that you want to maybe start at the beginning of the year and map out through the year, what you know you're gonna be up for. And some are obvious, some are less obvious, some are more seasonal, some are weekly, but we'll go through them all. So the first one is assessing livestock needs. Now it's not just feeding costs, but feed costs are probably the big regular one. We go through um, approximately four bags of chicken pellets a fortnight. Because we, we get paid on a fortnight, we purchase things on a fortnight. So we go through a full bale of hay, four bags of chicken pellets, one full bag of goat blend and one full bag of loosened pellets. That's for the goats and the chickens. Um, the horses are not fed at the moment because they're up in the back pasture. The cows are not fed hand fed anything because they're off milk and out in the back pasture. Uh, occasionally we will chuck the horses or the cows a biscuit of hay, um, more from the perspective of getting them down and keeping them, you know, hands-on with us. Uh, And the dogs, the dogs eat, we have two dogs, so we have Merima and a Kelpie, and the Merima is a working dog who is out in the paddock with the chickens and the goats. Uh, The Kelpie, I wish I could say she's working, but the only thing she's working on is driving me nuts some days. Um, So we go through a fortnight, we go through one bag of dry pellets, which I've tried to wean them off, because we go through three bags of, three one kilo bags of minced pet meat. Uh, Because I started feeding the dogs a raw food diet now the dogs also consume some milk and eggs Um, Any eggs that are cracked that are cracked in the um, nesting boxes or that are too dirty to sell get fed to the dogs Um, So they get that on a fairly regular basis, which keeps them pretty healthy Um, So that's the food breakdown costs then you also have to factor in things like veterinary care Uh, breeding expenses if so if you were doing artificial insemination or if you were um, uh, having to hire in a bull or anything like that or if you're breeding a horse and you had to pay for a stallion you have to factor in those costs now they can be quite big costs so they're the kind of things that if you know that you're you know in say for us in february march you know the buck will be going over the the nannies If we knew that we had to do AI at that time or if we had to hire in a buck then I would be putting money away probably the six months leading up to it to make sure that I had the money there for it so that I didn't have a big lump sum to come up with at the time. Uh, Veterinary care I like to keep so I have a little trick where I have a mortgage offset account for the farm and that mortgage offset account I put a regular extra amount into it each fortnight. And the reason that I do that is because when I need bulk expenses, so things like veterinary costs, regos, insurances, things like that, I know that I've got that extra money that I can draw down. Now, the rest of the year, while the money's sitting in there, it offsets my mortgage and reduces how much interest I'm paying on my mortgage. So it's kind of an enforced savings with a benefit. That's the way I look at it. So veterinary care try and put at least $50 a fortnight away I probably need to put more because we have come up short on occasions where I've had to have where I've had multiple things go wrong in in the space of a month Uh, but those kinds of things you need to put away now also too, you need to factor in things like fencing and shelter shelter for us is pretty easy because we have such a large property uh, we cut down trees off the property to use as fence posts and uh, shelter posts so then we only have to look at corrugated iron or shade cloth to go over those shelters now the we are (laughs) handy helper and i are the queens and kings of frugalness we will recycle and collect secondhand things that people are throwing out We've done it so many times. We've got so much stuff sitting out beside the shed and we just stack it all up in its relevant pile. So timber goes in one pile, fence posts into another, corrugated iron and rolls of fencing go into another pile. And we keep that there and we will go to those piles before we'll purchase anything. So things like shelter that you just want out in the paddock, it doesn't have to look pretty. It just has to be functional so I don't care if the corrugate has rust spots in it or it's different coloured pieces of corrugate that does not bother me at all if I really get fancy about it well I'd just go down there and paint them all the same colour but I, I can't be bothered it's a, to me that's an expense and a waste of time that I don't have <clears throat> sorry I'm still a bit croaky from Christmas so I'm just sipping on my tea try and dull down my croakiness it is getting better but not quite there yet so, uh, I try and put those any costs that we might have for those kind of things I put aside. But I am very much uh, a proponent of using secondhand or recycled goods, and and I mean it's a farming joke, isn't it? That we never throw anything out. You know, <laughs> every farmer looks at a piece of equipment or fencing or gates or corrugate and looks and goes, "Oh my God, I could use that later." I, I, I know just exactly what I could use that for, and they'll put it aside. So. Think about doing that as you get onto your homestead and you're increasing uh, the things that you need to be doing. Think about keeping that recycle pile going. And the only thing I would say about those recycle piles, um, if you live in an area like we do that has a frequent level of snakes, um, put your your junk piles up off the ground or at least stack them so that you can mow around them and see in between and behind them. Uh, Because we have had, unfortunately, a couple of brown snakes this year already. And they do love a good scrap pile. They, I would not go and pick up anything off the scrap pile without whippersniffing around at first to make lots of noise and wearing gloves and boots. Anyway, so the last thing I want to talk about with assessing livestock needs is probably the hardest topic. And that is talking about your number of animals that you will have on your farm. Now, we hear um, my son OJ has a bit of a joke that he wouldn't want to be born a man on a farm. Uh, And the reason he says that is because the male animals on our farm are used primarily for food source. So our goat, our male goats are castrated. So we band. Um, We band at two weeks old or two to three weeks old, depending on when their testicles have dropped. But we, we band our boys. And for those that think that banding is cruel, believe me, within 15, 20 minutes of being banded, those goats don't even remember that they were banded they're walking around they're happy jumping doing flick outs exactly what they were doing 30 minutes earlier um, yes there is a slight sting for them at the start that they're, they're looking at bringing in banding um, rubber bands that have um, like a lignocaine built into them but to be honest um, depending on what the cost is To be honest, it's over and done with so quickly that I don't know that I would go to that. Banding has been done for years and years and years. And yes, there is some discomfort to the animal. And yes, it means the animal can't breed, which is a good thing if you have male animals running around a paddock with female animals. And those animals are not the animals you want breeding with the females. So for us, because we run a mixed herd, our boys, apart from our buck who is kept separate, all of our boys are banded. Um, And any other animal on the farm would be either castrated or used for food. So our um, chickens, for example, if we have a batch of roosters come through, we have two roosters that live in the paddock with the girls and they are tame roosters to us. They're very comfortable around me and the handy helper and the kids. They don't attack the kids. Um, I have no need to put any more roosters in there. So any other roosters we get, uh, they go to freezer camp. But one of the things you need to consider is that Feed costs are expensive, and unless you have that unlimited fun bucket to feed animals with, you need to consider at what point you would cull your animals in order to reduce your feed costs. And for us at the moment, we've got uh, three um, weathers, so um, neutered boys, goats, that are in the main paddock uh, that are now a year old. They're just over a year old. So they are ready to go to the butcher at this point. And we haven't decided whether we're going to eat them ourselves or whether we're going to sell them for meat. Um, we're just trying to work that out now. But that's something that you do need to consider. Unless you have a 1,000 acres and an unlimited supply of feed for co- uh, money for feed, um, you do need to discuss whether or not you're going to continue to breed and keep animals or if there's going to be animals that are allocated to go to freezer camp. So, uh, income streams and diversification. As we said, most people get into homesteading because they want to at least replace their own income or one person's income. It would be lovely to replace both mine and the handy helper's income, but at this stage, we'd be happy just to replace one. So we have to look at what sources of income we can make from the farm. Now, for us, the big one is eggs. We sell our eggs, so that's our biggest source of income. Um, we've also got meat animals that we sell that we can, uh, generate an income from. <coughs> uh, and, uh, honey is another one that we've got because we've got the bees honey. Eventually as our hives have grown, we're now at a point where we'll be able to harvest honey and not just have it for personal use, but also be able to sell it as well. Now diversifying those income streams. So you've got your primary income streams, which like I said, for us are eggs, honey and meat, but then, uh, You need to look at diversifying your income streams. So it's probably a good idea to start at the beginning of the year and map out when your primary income streams would be most um, beneficial to you. So for us eggs, we we stagger our molt with the girls. So um, that means that we have egg supply all year round. But we do, through the winter months, we do have a drop off of eggs that we can sell. So uh, we have a small period in winter where we're not selling as much eggs. Meat is very seasonal, as in... We might sell meat uh, in sometime between February and uh, May. Um, Each year we would sell um, goat weathers and we're just getting into our cows now. So cows, again, would be a one year, once a year kind of sell. So that means you would only get that income generated at one point during the year. Honey, honey once we've got a store of honey because i've got a big honey tub once we've got a store of honey then obviously honey is something that we can sell as an ongoing basis but when the honey runs out we can't sell it so we can only sell it until we've got you know finished it Uh, now as i said we we do try and uh, because of the fluctuation with girls when they're molting our chickens we try to um, keep New stock coming in as the old stock will be going into a molt. This year it didn't happen. Our um, Isa Browns have all molted already, but they're back laying again now. So we really didn't notice a big dip in the egg supply. Uh, We just noticed they're all molting. But you need to build in some contingency plans around not having an income source. So this year I have put down on my list of things that I would like to try and have my try my hand at microgreens Um, i've been following a lady online who does microgreens evidently you don't have to be a superstar gardener so microgreens are going on my list to try over the next couple of months Uh, i'm also looking at trying to sell some angora wool in the past our angora wool has been very scrappy because we've had too many weeds in the paddock so i'm hoping this time around that i'm going to get to them and brush them before they get Um, before they get shorn and if I can sell raw wool on Etsy um, or on my Shopify store not the farmer's wife so if I can sell raw wool there for crafty types who might want raw wool then I'll go ahead and try and do that I will try and uh, card and spin some but I'm not a good spinner I'm still learning so it's just one of those things now something else that somebody did ask me about the other week was um, my sourdough starter one of the ladies that i work with asked if i would sell her some sourdough starter because she hasn't got starter at the moment and she said i just would rather buy one that i know is already at that fizzy bubbly stage rather than trying to have to go through and build it up so that's another one that that i can factor in again it won't be a regular seller but it'd be something that might generate a little bit of income every now and again um The other one is our pasture-raised meat chickens. Now, I'm still trying to work out the stipulations and regulations around being able to sell meat. In um, America, I know Joel Salatin gets around it by selling you a live chicken and then asking you if you'd like it processed, which I think is very clever. It's um, certainly a way to get around those um, regulations. And, you know... if, if that's what we need to do here, well, we may just look at doing that. I would like to be able to do it without that kind of, I feels a bit sneaky, you know. I would like to be able to do it around that. But also, too, I might look at bartering uh, chicken meat in return for other things that other people around me have and sell. Um, because I've been on my carnivore diet, I don't have to worry too much about swapping things for vegetables because we haven't been growing a lot of them. Uh, but next year that, that you know this is 2024 I this is the year that I said I'm going to fix my gardening up and I'm going to work on it now um so so I think it's really important when you map out your calendar for the year if you know you're going to have injections of cash coming in on a regular basis like say with us with the chicken eggs our chicken eggs uh almost pay for all of our stock feed on everything else which is fantastic uh but um the other things like honey, sourdough, microgreens, wool, meat—they come in just at set times, so we just have those one-off kind of payments. So you need to work out what you're going to do with those, and you need to plan for those fluctuations if you're trying to do this to earn a generate an income. And planning for the off seasons—off <laughs> seasons can be really financially challenging. And I'm—this is by no means financial advice. If you um, need financial advice there are many many good services out there that you can search for to get advice on what you can do if you're really struggling financially and i would encourage you to reach out to one of those services Um, you know there's nothing that can't be fixed with a little bit of elbow grease and a bit of planning so don't ever think that it's the end of the world if you're at a point where you don't have an income coming in But that's also why it's very important to try and diversify and have incomes coming in at different times of the year to cover that off-season kind of periods. But you should also look at other things that you can do to generate income in off-seasons. And some of them can be quite an outlay. It could be quite, you know, you you might have to pay a bit to earn a bit. Uh, One of the things that we're looking at doing is putting a tiny home that's off-grid on the property up in one of the top valleys, and uh, renting it out like an Airbnb to allow people to come onto the property and just immerse themselves in nature and, you know, off-gridedness—if that's a word—off-gridedness, and just be peaceful and be off the phone, off the grid. Just sit down, read a book, eat some good food, maybe some beautiful pasture-raised eggs and chickens that might be in there in the tiny home waiting for them. Um, maybe a local bottle of wine from one of our local Murrum Bateman wineries. Uh, but that, that's a big expense to outlay. The infrastructure for that is something that we'd have to plan for. Um, but if, if we could then rent it out every other week even, um, eventually it would pay itself off and start paying us back. Uh, And it is really important to have a buffer in those off-seasons. I talk about it a bit later. I'll talk about um, having a safety and emergency fund, which is something that is just vital when you are living on the land and, and potentially earning your own income. You have to have that buffer zone. Now, budgeting for farm in- infrastructure and maintenance is another one that you need to work in. And this is one that you really can plan for. If you know that you need a new ride on lawnmower or if you need a, um, a little, you know, unregistered dung a car to drive around the property so that you're not driving your, your registered car around the property to drop hay in paddocks and things like that. You can plan for that in advance. You know that that's going to be a cost down the track. Um, I want to get new feeders for all the goats so that their hay, at the moment the hay sits in a tray on the ground. I want it so that the hay is up off the ground um, just for cleanliness. So feeder bales are one of the things that I have, have been planning for for this year so I'm going to sit down and work out what's going to cost me for them and how many I need and then just save up for three months pay one off save up for three months pay another one off Uh, right on lawnmowers we're right for this year but we are looking at getting a small tractor and that's a pretty big expense so that'll be one for down the track but that again would be something that I would use that mortgage offset account for where I would put a certain amount in each fortnight into the mortgage offset account And then at the end of the year, hopefully we would have enough in there to be able to go, yep, okay, we've got at least a deposit for a small tractor, if not all the money for a small tractor. Um, Other considerations regarding equipment are things like fencing and equipment repairs and building upkeep and their ongoing expenses for homesteads fencing is our big to do this year because i want to start getting that real rotational grazing system happening and to do that effectively we need solid fences not our electric portable fences that we've been using Um, goats for anybody that hasn't had goats goats are the killers on fencing chickens are so easy in comparison and even horses and cows are easy in comparison Uh, goats really do push the edge of your Boundaries of your patience and tolerance when it comes to fencing. Um, So for us to do that rotational grazing, we really want solid fencing structures in place. Now that's gonna cost some money, but also too, the Handy Helper and I intend to do those ourselves. We're not gonna pay somebody to come in and do them. Um, If you work and you're earning good money and you don't have the time, then by all means, paying a fencing contractor to come in will save you a lot of grief down the track. But if you think you can do it yourself, there's plenty of YouTube clips out there. In fact, next time the handy helper starts doing some fencing, I might just whip the old camera out and take some video of him and I'll post it up and let you know when I do that. Uh, so obviously that's a regular maintenance thing and it's a long-term expense where, again, as I said, you could put that into that um, mortgage offset account. So next one is emergency funds and contingency plans. And this is the big one, folks. I am I followed the Barefoot Investor. That's how I managed to get out of... Um, the financial issues that i was having after i'd separated from the kid's father and i was broke i was so so broke at that point and i had credit cards and then i had credit card debt and i was it was getting worse and worse i cut up on my credit cards i no longer have a credit card i if i can't pay for it on debit it's not getting bought um and i started doing contingency plans and emergency funds where i put a certain amount each week and and to do it Sometimes you have to sell things. So when I first started doing it, I had garage sale after garage sale, I listed crap on marketplace, and yes, I know marketplace is a big pain in the ass, and there is sometimes where it's just easier to give it to goodwill rather than try and sell it. But I sold as much as I could. I cashed in anything that I could. Any believe it or not, I cashed in old jewelry that I was no longer wearing and was never going to wear because living out on the farm, I I got one ring that I wear, my collada ring. Uh, that i bought myself and i wear a watch and earrings and that's it i have chains and and bracelets and things but i just don't wear them much on the farm so anything that i knew didn't have that sentimental value that i want to keep i sold i sold the lot and then i used that money as my emergency fund and that emergency fund is not part of my mortgage offset that emergency fund sits completely separate to my mortgage offset in a different account in different bank because that way I cannot touch it unless it is a genuine emergency. And if you're having emergencies every week, they're not emergencies. So genuine emergencies where, you know, the fridge has shat itself or something like that, and you have to, you have, you know, a week's worth of groceries that are going off and you can't fix the fridge and it's really completely died. That's an emergency. Um, you know, a kangaroo going through the uh, the front of the car and, you know, killing all your, your headlights, well, hopefully you've got insurance. But if you don't, that's an emergency. Um, but contingency plan funds as well, that's where I use it for my mortgage offset. So my contingency plans are my mortgage offset. My emergency fund is something separate. And I still just put a small amount into it now that I've built it up. I just keep it sitting at a certain amount. Now, I think the Barefoot Investor and, and Dave Ramsey both talk about having three months worth of your regular pay I don't have three months' worth of my regular pay. I have about a month's worth. But I keep it in there. It's enough for me to replace a fridge. It's enough for me to pay emergency stuff. In, in Australia, we're very lucky for my US listeners, we have Medicare. So in an emergency medical situation, um, we are treated and we don't pay. If it's not an emergency situation or we have to be an inpatient in hospital or I do have medical insurance, but it's medical insurance only for hospital stays essentially and ambulance cover because they're the two that kill you over here in Australia. Uh, Everything else is covered. Uh, But other insurance is your homestead insurance. Now, homestead insurance can be very expensive. That being said, I would strongly advise you to at least have public liability if you are inviting customers onto your farm. We don't have customers coming onto our farm, so we're not so worried about it, but we do have insurance for the farm. Um, And I think it's vital. (laughs) You know, more and more you hear of people getting sued for things. Having insurance coverage on your farm is, you know, could save your farm one day. So hunt around, shop around. Don't just take the first quote you get uh, because there, there can be some big price variation but definitely if you're having customers come onto your farm, public liability insurance is vital. You've got to have it. Uh, Managing bills and utility costs. Now this is a funny one for us because we are completely off grid. We have no power bills, no water bills, no gas bills. Um, What we do have is a water tank that needed to be paid for and that was $10,000 for a 110,000 litre tank uh, installed. So that was all right so far to date we've not had to pay for a water delivery which is just a godsend uh but we have two gas cylinders and they cost us 80 dollars each so it's about 160 dollars for the two and we go through them between six and eight months depending on how many people are in the house if we've got guests and things staying then we tend to go through the gas a bit quicker um, our power bill is the weird one because we put aside money each week to pay for batteries now Anybody that says, oh, living off grid means you don't have to pay for power, yeah, factor in those battery costs because I'll tell you what, the batteries are fucking expensive. Now, we have come to a really good solution where we're getting batteries from the four wheel drive super center and we wait till they go on special at about between 250 and 280 to 280 to 250 for a battery. And those batteries, we found banking those batteries up is much cheaper. And they're holding charge much better than our big, big batteries that cost about a thousand dollars brand new. We're we're trialing it at the moment, so we'll let you know how we go on that. But uh, for a thousand dollars, we can get four batteries, and it boosts our power sources amazingly. But you still have to factor in for that. Now, if we buy a th- given what my costs were for power when I lived in town, um, if we factor in thousand dollars every three to four months. Uh, I'm still paying the same price that I would be for power in town. That being said, we don't need to replace the batteries that often. Um, Probably $1,000 every six months at the moment. And when we moved out here, all the batteries were just about dead. So we've been replacing them as we go. Every six months, we've been putting another four in. Now, at the moment, we've got enough. Uh, We're probably, before winter starts, we would like to get at least another four, possibly another eight. Because... You do also have to factor in fuel for a generator if you are completely off-grid like us. Um, There are times when it's overcast for days and days and days and the batteries do not get charged and you need a generator and you need fuel to put in the generator. (laughs) So take that into account if you're looking at doing that off-grid kind of lifestyle. Uh, A generator is absolutely vital. You do not want your freezer defrosting because you've got no power um so next one is record keeping and budget tracking now i don't use uh anything other than mind your own business Uh, but mind your own business or 0 i'm an ex-accountant so i know how those ones work and anything where you can download a bank account straight to a um, computer package i think is ideal it just makes life so much easier But it is really important to keep a record of what you're selling and how much you're getting and how much you're spending to get that money in. So our eggs, I even marked down when I take a carton of eggs for ourselves to use or for the dogs, I mark that down as a carton sold so that I know how much I would be getting if I wasn't consuming any of the product ourselves and if we were selling all of them. Uh, And therefore I know what it's costing us. And I know that $7.50 at the moment is we're still making a profit. Um, if feed prices go up again, because they have gone up once since we put the prices up If feed costs go up again, then we will have to look at putting the cost up for our cartons But at the moment, we're still making a profit um, And obviously, keep checking and budgeting I, When I worked as an accountant, we used to do regular um, yearly budgeting for companies And it's amazing how people do not allocate the right amount of money for the right thing Which, you know, in itself is not bad if you're still making money but realistically, it's probably better to allocate the correct amount of money to the correct item so that you know if there's something that's really gouging out your, your profit. And if it's gouging out your profit, have a look and work out whether or not it's worth it. Um, if it's not worth it, scrap it, scrap it, get rid of it. If the chook egg laying business was not contributing to the profit, uh, it would be gone. We wouldn't be doing it. Now, um, the last one I want to talk about was cost reduction and community. So certainly bartering with neighbours, um, I think, is a huge benefit. Uh, you know, I'm, I love having a bank account where money's coming in from the eggs into a bank account like can monitor it, uh, but it's not cash. And cash is king. <laughs> and bartering is king in my book too. And if you can swap, you know, we've got a person that lives down the road who sells blueberries. Um, our next door neighbor has a bull that we want to utilize. So we will likely uh, gift him something in return for the bull um, for the use of it, because otherwise we'd have to go down the AI route. So having people that you can barter with around you is awesome. And definitely I would encourage you to look at doing that. Um, if you've got, you know, if you can put a, um, a, what they call it, an honesty box at your front gate, with produce in it, then go ahead and do that too. Uh, the other thing is be frugal. There's nothing wrong, even though I've done my money mindset boot camp and I am very happy to spend money when on new things when they're needed. You know, like the kids are never going to wear secondhand underwear or socks. Um, my my daughter's at an age where I'm starting to have to buy, you know, bras and things for her. So uh, certainly um, those kinds of things we're never going to buy secondhand. They're going to be brand new. Um, I've also got two kids going into high school this year. So that's awesome. You know, that's none of the cost. But again, I, I don't buy the cheapest shoes. I will go and buy them good quality shoes because I expect them to last for the entire year. Um, but if you can buy something secondhand, if you can find it secondhand, absolutely go for it. Uh, we just recently refenced the um, buck paddock, the Anglo-Nubian buck that we've got, Rocky. We redid his paddock because he kept escaping and it was just getting really annoying. So we redid the fencing and I wanted to put a small gate in, not a big car gate, just a small enough gate that we could put the ride right on lawnmower through if we needed to go in and trim. Uh, but that I could also cart in, feed things or get equipment into that paddock without any problems. So we went to the local green shed, what we call the green shed here in Australia, which is the, basically the guys that work at the tip will go through and um, recycle anything that can still be used and found a gate that's wide enough for the ride on Mower, $25. And it's in perfect neck. There's nothing wrong with it. So the handy helper swung that off the fence and he has a lovely gate, Rocky, and it's perfect for us. It does everything that we asked for. I wasn't going to spend a hundred and something dollars on a gate at Bunnings or the local, you know, farm supply, tractor supply shop when I could get something secondhand and nobody cares what it looks like. Rocky doesn't care and nobody else is coming out to the farm to look and go, oh, that's a secondhand gate. So if you can do it secondhand, do it secondhand. Um, So that's it for, for this week plan your year out mark in where your major expenses are going to be if you know you've got vaccinations from the vet or you know that you've got to pay for breeding or you know that you've got to put a new fence in or you know it's breeding time and you need to put some shelters in for the babies in the paddock factor that into your calendar and then sit down and work out what it would cost if you were to put you know twenty dollars away each fortnight to cover that cost when it comes up anyway I hope you got something out of that. Uh, If you've got any questions or anything like that, by all means DM me. Um, I've just put a couple of posts up today uh, while I was sitting at home um, before I recorded talking about whether or not I'm going to run my backyard chicken keeping course in February. I'm actually considering changing up what I'm doing and not having it as a backyard chicken keeping course, but actually having it more as a how to move to a rural area course. Because I have so many people that ask me questions about what it's like to move, you know, living on dirt road, off grid, your kids are still going to school, because I know in the US a lot of people would homeschool given where we live, Uh, but we don't, the kids still go to school, they still do their sports of an afternoon. And so many people ask me about it. Like, what do you do for your rubbish? How do you, how do you get rid of your rubbish? And what happens if you run out of water and, and those kind of questions. So I'm thinking about doing a course about what you need to sit down and think about before you would move, um, to an area like what we've moved to. Um, and also too maybe a little bit about, you know, um, the real estate side of it, looking for what kinds of things you need to be looking for, for a property. Cause I'm, Couple of properties in now and I'm getting pretty handy at working out what properties are good and which ones aren't. Anyway, keep an eye out for that um, because I haven't decided yet, but it's very likely it's gonna go that way. Uh, also too, um if you haven't been along to Not The Farmer's Wife, which is my online store, Go along to on the farm's wife, uh, not the farm's wife, and have a look at some of the seat covers and hooded snuggle blankets and things like that that I've got on there. I I'm pretty chuffed with myself. My designing skills are, are getting better and better each week. Um, and also too, don't forget if you haven't already, follow me on Mojo Homestead on Instagram, Facebook. I'm also on Twitter at Mojo Homestead and YouTube and TikTok. And I know, talk about have my hands full. Anyway, I am off for the next week with the kids because it's still school holidays here in Australia and hopefully we'll get everything sorted for school and I will get lots more posts scheduled so you'll see lots more stuff coming through. And with that said, have a great week. I hope your summer or winter, I hope you're staying nice and warm to my US friends. I've seen the snow, it looks terrible. I hope you're staying warm if you're in the Northern Hemisphere. If you're in the Southern Hemisphere, I hope you're getting some time with family and friends and maybe down the beach. And bye for now and I'll talk to you next week. Thanks so much for listening today. I hope you've enjoyed our time together. If you did, I'd be so grateful if you left me a review. I would also absolutely love it if you tagged me in your next post on your favourite socials at either Not the Farmer's Wife or Mojo Homestead. And don't forget to get your free guide to backyard chicken keeping at www.mojohomestead.net/backslash-seven-must-knows. And remember, grow the life you want to live. See ya.